Set yourself a New Year goal, they said. It'll be fun. <sighs> Perhaps swimming in the Irish Sea wasn't such a good idea. Set a more achievable goal, like taking control of your finances with personalised money insights in the Bank of Ireland app. It'll help keep track of your spending, like changes to bills, or you might have too many subscriptions. See your tailored money insights, because your financial well-being is our priority. Bank of Ireland. Begin. Bank of Ireland is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Terms and conditions apply. Great. There goes my towel. The Left Wing, brought to you by Bank of Ireland, a proud sponsor of Irish Rugby. Never stop competing. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. More chances, more prizes, more reason to enter. Kenichiwa, and you are very welcome to the Left Wing Daily, independent.ie's rugby podcast. I'm Keen Tracy, and it's the morning after the night before when Ireland got their World Cup campaign off to a cracking start by beating Scotland 27-3. We've got lots to get through on today's show, including delving a bit into Ireland's victory, touching on what was a cracking opening weekend uh, for the World Cup with some brilliant games. I'm joined by Rory O'Connor. We were both at the All Black South Africa, and then I was at the opening game Japan and Russia. Um, Rory, we're on the move again today, as are the Ireland team. We've just landed in Hamamatsu, which we were kind of told that there wasn't much here. I guess our first impressions, it was extremely sticky and humid. We've moved yeah. we've moved further south, haven't we? Yeah, we have. I mean, the, the big highlight, I mean, there was a lot of great rugby and stuff, but we got a bullet train, which was mm. uh, first time. It was pretty cool. We wanted to um, record the podcast on it, but we <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit of a culture difference over here. It's not like getting the Lewis or the Dart back home where everyone is kind of chatting and stuff. Looking at Instagram stories. Yeah, <laughs> and then we were talking about the, the West Cork podcast on, on the train, and, you know, it, it, we've just as well no one around us kind of spoke English because no one is speaking anyway, let alone, let alone speaking English. But the bullet train was cool, wasn't it? Yeah, no, it was. It was... Uh, I think it took a, an hour and a half for what was about a seven or eight hour drive um, to get here to Hamamatsu where Ireland play again the Shizuoka Stadium I think on Saturday um, and yeah we're kind of all digesting what, what the weekend that went before because it was unbelievably busy and it kind of sets Ireland up nicely for the next three games first of which looks like it's going to be played in unbelievably humid conditions if the first like it's, it's, it's raining outside but it, like as soon as you got off the train, you were just hit by this wall of heat, mm. um, which makes it a bit of a diff- different proposition. Yokohama was warm and it was wet, but I think this is a different level. So um, I guess it's part of the environmental challenge as they keep going progressively south for all four pool games, all, or all three pool games remaining, um, albeit three games that they'll be pretty confident in winning. And it, unfortunately, we're all already looking towards that South Africa quarterfinal, which is uh, it's going to be a long build-up. It's, yeah, it's just, all, just under a month away. Yeah, and even when we left Yokohama this morning, the the wind was incredible, wasn't it? You could kind of feel like the, the, maybe a bit of that typhoon that was promised, and I don't think it was quite as windy. While it was windy during the game yesterday, it wasn't quite as windy. We've just arrived at our hotel. Um, we think it's the Japanese team hotel, so we're a bit of kind of infiltrators for the week here. Bit of covered ops, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, nice, handy, you know, have your breakfast and then get down to the press conference. Um, Ireland based in a golf course about 20 kilometres away mm. or something, so they'll be a bit more tricky to get to their kind of uh, carton housing at this time. They're, they're kind of cocooning themselves away from the world. I think it was always the plan to get through these first uh, two games in six days and then maybe see a bit of, you know, then breathe and, and let the players get out and see a little bit of the country, particularly that last week, the Samoa game, and um, they might have a chance to, to kind of 
just go off tour a little bit and, and, and not be in the compression chamber that is Joe Schmidt's preparation. But in fairness, that preparation put, uh, fairly put, uh, came off against Scotland on, on Sunday. That was a remarkable performance. Yeah, it might be nice to have uh, share breakfast with Jamie Joseph in the morning, see if, see if he's going to tell us anything, share share coffee. Can't imagine Joe Schmidt would do something like that, but we'll see if uh, his Kiwi counterpart is is any uh, more laid back. But yeah, the game was the game was in, incredible, really. I think um, everything about it, it, it. We spoke a bit about it last week in the podcast, and I know in the Irish Independent on Saturday, Alan Quinlan was writing about it and I was writing about it and I think you had mentioned in your preview that if Ireland could start well and get on top of Scotland up front, that that would set the platform and while we were saying it from the outside, I'm sure that that was the message on the inside and it was just, it was incredible. You kind of knew the pack had a performance like that in them, but everything about it, even watching it back, it, there were just the little details. I think the first three times they went into the 22, they came away with, with tries you know, we spoke so much about once you shut Finn Russell down, Scotland don't really have much because everything goes through him. And I think picking Greg, Lay- Greg Laylaw, the service was quite slow now. The pack didn't have the platform to build on. But even when Ali Price came on the game, the game changed a bit. But from an Irish point of view, I don't think you could have asked for much more. Um, they should have probably had the bonus point wrapped up by half time. Um, like I said, the pack were immense. I thought Ian Henderson and James Ryan together in the second row were outstanding. CJ Stander ran their match, Jack Honan off the bench. And the weather got far worse, I'm sure, it came across on TV for everyone at home watching. The weather, it was the, the two halves, it, it was like a game of two halves to you know use the cliche, wasn't it? Uh, it was absolutely bucketing down. And that played into Ireland's hands because for a team like Scotland who want to play the ball wide, they just they, the conditions didn't allow it. And Ireland squeezed them and... I think you said we were sitting next to each other in the press box and you said it to me that this is like, you know, Toma Park sports ground in the middle of December. These guys know what they do and they did it really professionally, didn't they? Yeah, and in fairness it's Glasgow you know, it's Glasgow and Edinburgh players and it rains loads over there, but you know, we've seen this we've seen this film before, you know, we we've we've seen this all play out. It was a quintessential Joe Schmidt Ireland performance. You know, you build your score, you take your chances early on, you put scoreboard pressure on the opposition, and then you force them into mistakes. And once they start chasing the game against you, you pounce. And Schmidt will just be so happy that so much went right in the first 20 minutes. And then he got some stuff to work on in the second 20 minutes, you know. So they got their three tries in 25 minutes, three visits to the 22, got return each time. And then they let a few go. Good attacking play, good approach play, but once they got in there, it didn't execute. That's gone up on the board for, I don't know, whenever they do their video review, once they've arrived here, that's something to work on. They defended brilliantly. Their line speed was excellent. Still, Scotland made a few breaks, and while they scrambled back, that's another thing that he can work on for the next three weeks, building towards that big quarter final. Um, they kept their composure. They had to rejig things, but they adapted every member of the bench, apart from Niles Cannell, who just didn't get the time, and maybe Ty Byrne, who got a yellow card. You know, that, that might... You know, play him out of favour a little bit. These are the things that Joe Schmidt doesn't forgive too too freely. Um, everyone else came on, and you, you mentioned Conan in particular. He was on early. I suppose the only thing he wouldn't have wished for is the the injury list that they're playing down today at at, at Ireland camp. They've said that Bundyaki and and uh, Peter O'Mahony are on track to play against Japan, and uh, despite the fact that it's a six day turnaround, I think they said they've, they've passed HIA two, mm. HIA three is next. But the return to play protocols are tight. Six day turnarounds is a tight time frame to get it all done, so that's tight. And then they said Sexton has a thigh uh, knock, and uh, took a bang, but they said it was tactical to get him and Tyke for a long off, but. You know, uh, we've seen some injury information out that we didn't quite believe last week. I think it's a wait and see on all of that. Um, and But the thing is, they've given themselves wiggle room. 
Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the Sexton didn't quite look fit and at it uh, throughout the game and that Ireland still managed to play, you know, the way they did. I didn't think he was poor by any means, but he clearly wasn't 100% fit. was hugely impressive. Um, it, it, was, it was another positive was the fact that Keith Earls and Joey Carberry ran in the warm-up and I think we'd probably be expecting them to, to come back this week. But what the what the win does last night is it allows a little bit more wiggle room now and breathing space because if they had lost that game, it's very different. You're, you're, you need to have your big guns back for this week. But I was at the Japan-Russia game on Friday and we actually haven't had a podcast since. It was amazing, the, the opening ceremony and stuff like that. It was on in Tokyo. Uh, very, very cool. I'm sure lots of people saw it on TV. But the game itself, while I, I do think you have to give allowances for they're the host nation, it was the first game up. But we've seen over the last couple of weeks how bad Russia are. Um, they were probably played a little bit better than I expected, but they were beaten by Connacht, Jersey Reds. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't impressed with Japan. I, 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 yeah, well, I think you've got to make allowances for the fact that it was that you know the culmination of 12, year, 12 years of build-up, that it was the opening night that nerves definitely played a part. I mean, they made mistakes that you presume that they won't make. I mean, they are they were playing against a team lower ranked than them. They generally outrun teams like that. But Russia played up to the occasion as well. Russia saw. I mean, Russia don't want to be humiliated on on an, on an international stage. I mean, the TV audience for that game was huge. They are proud players. I know they're they're playing at a very low level, and they will fade as the tournament goes on inevitably. I think they've got a four day turnaround to their yeah. first game against Samoa, which was yeah. deeply unfair to them, mm. having really. I brought something to the occasion. I mean, to score a try early on, I mean, whatever nerves Japan had, that, that just yeah. f- fueled them massively. I try, so. I try made in Blackrock as well. With yeah, Vasily yeah, Vasil- Artemiev made in Blackrock and polished off in, in UCD and, and Northampton. And yeah, nice little Irish angle. And Mark McDermott, in fairness, he, he called it. He said that the 40 point spread was too big um, when I interviewed him a couple of weeks ago. So look, I, I think Japan would be much better. Eight day turnaround. They're the underdogs this time. Ireland will come in, you know, with, with with a shorter turnaround, with a couple of banged up bodies, a few changes in the humidity, which won't suit them. Look, I think they'll still get the job done, but I think Japan will make life a bit difficult for them. And in fairness, there's a few superstar players in the Japanese t- team as well, who no matter how poorly the team are playing, are still capable of, ma- of a bit of magic in one-on-one situations. Yeah, the, the, the winger, Matashima, who scored the hat-trick, actually scored against Ireland at the same stadium in 2017, so they'll be well aware of him. But just a, a point on that four-day turnaround, like you said, it's, it's incredibly unfair. It would never have happened at Tier 1 Nation. And even on the on the turnaround, Japan have two days extra to prepare for Ireland, which Joe Schmidt keeps reminding us about. So World Rugby have you know been kind of as kind to them as possible, but just go, to go back to the Ireland game for a second, you mentioned that the bench were excellent. Noel Scannell didn't quite get um, a lot of time. I, I think that would point to the fact that Rory Best might not play this week. It would be a huge ask for a 37-year-old to play two games in that space of time. But just on Rory Best's performance, um, it was immense. It, it, he really, he was, he's been so good since that horror show in Twickenham, and he's repaid Schmidt's fate. You'd be the first to admit you were quite critical of him in the build-up to the World Cup. Um, what did you make of it, and are you kind of are you on board now again with him? Look, uh, yeah, I mean, you, there's no doubting that he's earned his place in the team. I mean, I w- called for him to be dropped after that England game because it was so it was so poor, and and a lot of the focus centered on the lineout. I didn't think he contributed anything around the park, and he hasn't really been contributing a lot around the park in 2019. Um, I had a fear that he was able to get up for the odd occasion but not do it on a sustained basis but he has shown that 
you know, with the preseason that he's had, apparently he made every training session. You know, when others were falling down around them, he, he's been there, he's proven his fitness. And as someone who's only about four or five months younger than him, it's great to see a guy at the age of 37 going Just 80 minutes in a World Cup. Your, your, dream, your dream is over. Well, I brought the boots, you know. <laughs> but look, you know, it's not about me. I'm first to admit that I, I was wrong. I called that one wrong. They, uh, and Rory Best deserved criticism after the England game, as did a lot of players, and Joe Schmitz admitted that, that and I think they got it, whatever they got outside, he, he said it yesterday, whatever they got outside, they got doubly inside, but he's bounced back. Maybe it was the rocket that he needed. Maybe you know he started doubting that he could do it at this level, and maybe that, that fear is the greatest motivator. Came out, made 12 tackles off the bench against Wales away, was solid, and they must be putting a huge amount of work into that lineup because they drew strength from that all day. Um, he even made it, a little break and put Conor Murray. He away. did. Oh, that was the, that brought that was in the build-up between Henderson's um, burst ahead of James yeah. Ryan's try, and it was lovely little footwork and and, and a little. And it just shows when you've got front football, the things you can do. That Maul was marching forward. It started to break down. He peeled off on the, on the short side. Really, really good bit of play, and that gives him confidence as well. Lineout needs a, still needs a little bit of work, even though they were. Uh, 100%. But Andrew um, Porter did catch. <laughs> uh, in an old school way. I mean, Andrew Porter, like, he looks just so powerful at the moment. Yeah. He, looks, he looks really, really good. Ireland's bench, it's just, we've, we've talked so much about building the depth over the last four years, but we're seeing that in fruition now, aren't we? Especially when you consider that Henshaw, Kearney, Earls and Carberry weren't there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, Schmidt effectively sacked off the Six Nations to try and build depth. You know, once they lost England, he started playing players um, that he wouldn't normally play if the stakes were higher. And look, he got a lot of criticism for the way the performances and the results went, but that experience is standing to those players now. Even Jack Harty coming in and playing really, really well. That little kind of uh, off-the-cuff kick that he oh, put through. For Farrell. That he should have led to a Jacob Stockdale try. The I reverse Stockdale pass probably, was, uh, wasn't expecting Farrell to play no, the reverse No, it was beautiful. And he, like, Chris Farrell comes off the bench. You know, yeah. not didn't have an unbelievable warm-up series, but still comes out and looked really, really sharp. Yeah, he was one of those guys who, when I watched the game back, I thought he 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 was better than I had probably thought initially. Um, there was a lot of guys. I mean, you look at the back three. We spoke about it so often in the podcast last week. Um, Conway delivers for Ireland every time he plays. He's just it's it's easy to see why Joe Schmidt loves this guy. He's he's a super performer. It wasn't a flawless performance. He. He admitted in the mix zone afterwards that he dropped the easiest ball of the night. Um, but Jordan Larmer, I thought, was excellent. We spoke a bit about it last week. We were expecting Conway to play full-back, and it made, it made a lot of sense because there were kind of question marks over Larmer's aerial game. He was fantastic in that Brilliant. regard. Um, it was his best... For me, it was his best game in a green jersey at full-back against the opposition. If we're going to take Italy in Chicago, which was a very, very different, different game against a second-string Italy team, but th- this was very impressive. I thought he mixed, did the basics really well, and... He had like something like twelve carries. He 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 mixed. He did his usual game with the basics. Yeah, you're kind of you're kind of waiting for him to cut loose. I mean, there was a couple of moments there where he just he looked like he up, might get. He? Yeah, and he looked so dangerous. And himself and Conway together, they're not the tallest combination. But along with Stockdale, it's it's a very very exciting back three in an attacking sense. And the interesting thing now is whether having earned. Whether whether Larmer has earned the right to go again, and whether if Rob Kearney, I think the fact that Rob Kearney didn't take part in the warm up would indicate to me that he's probably not going to play this week, whereas Earls probably will, and and, and Carberry almost certainly w- will be involved. Um, so if Kearney comes back, I, I, you know I'm sure he'll get a go. It, it, the fact that they've, they've kept Kearney and Henshaw here, so they sh- must feel that they'll play mm-hmm. a part. When they get a go, is Rob Kearney now playing catch up because Jordan Armour looks so solid, or if you're playing against the Springboks, do you need? 
that solidity in the backfield. That's their decisions that I'm sure with a month long build up, we'll of discuss. We should probably focus on this week um, because we'll, we'll use up everything uh, by then. But I, look, I think Larmer has the jersey now. I thought he was really good. And Conway, just to go back to what you said, I agree with everything. You know, I I'd say when he went back to his hotel room last night and had a quiet moment, he, he would have felt so good about that because when he was 18 or 19, mm. this was his stage he was yeah. destined for. Everyone had told him that as a teenager and it didn't go his way. I remember talking to Anthony Foley about it, you know, how the pressure he was under as a superstar young, young player um, had affected him and how he'd kind of gone back to his roots and gone back to his basics when he went to Munster and has worked really, really hard to get to that level. So I'd say on a personal level, that was pretty special for him as well. Yeah, it was a, he's he, he sort of changed his mindset. It's something he's spoken about. He's sort of big on, you know, the power of positive thinking, I guess, which a lot of guys are, but he's one of the who's spoken openly about it. And I was in the press box early for the game yesterday, and um, before the teams, any of the teams came out, uh, Conway was in his tracksuit, and he came out into the pitch with a rugby ball in his hands, and he walked the whole way around the perimeter of the pitch, and he even went down and walked along the Scotland try line with when the coaches were setting up their gear, and I saw them, they had a little chuckle to each other, but it was very interesting to watch him. He was, I asked him about it in the mix zone afterwards. He, he didn't want to give too, too much away, but I eventually got the line out of him that he was checking the sort of the corners of the pitch and the, the diameter, and, or, yeah, the, not the diameter, the perimeter, but um, it worked because when he scored a try in the corner, whatever he was doing, whatever visual cues he had, it really worked. So I think this is the level of detail. And it must have been difficult when he's seeing the likes of, you know, Jordan Larmer, Gary Ringrose, Joey Carberry, who have broken onto the scene and made that step up much quicker than he had because he was, he was the one who was promised to, to make the step up as well. Speaking of guys making the step up, we're sort of running out of things to say about James Ryan, aren't we? Um, 23 years old, first World Cup game. Um, he was just, he was immense. There's, there, there's nothing the guy doesn't do. And even he went back onto the tight end side and Ian Henderson was calling the line out. So there was a little less responsibility on his shoulders. He is eventually going to be that man, but he thrived, didn't he? He just... Well, I think we saw why Joe Schmidt has been trying to get this first choice partnership out as much as possible over the years. The If they can get their set piece right, and they did yesterday then their dynamism around the park is just something that few teams in this t- in this tournament can really match. Maybe England, New Zealand, when they get um, when they get Brodie Ritalik back, yes, definitely. But Henderson reminded everyone that he was Ian Henderson before Ian... Hen- or sorry, that he was James yeah. Ryan before He's James Ryan. He's in great Ryan. nick. He's in great nick. He was like this four years ago mm. at the World Cup. He was and Actually, he ran aground a bit against Argentina, but in the other games, he was superb. Even four, uh, two years ago on the Lions Tour, he got, he got badly wrong in the first game and kind of never, never caught up. But as the tour went on, he got better and better and reminded everyone of how good a player he is. And that, those two in tandem just give Ireland so much dynamism around the park. And when we look back at the Six Nations and the power uh, vacuum that was there and the fact that it just didn't, it didn't look like they were at the right pitch against England and Wales, when you get Henderson playing like that, he was missing for most of the Six Nations, as I recall they suddenly have another ball carrier they can go to. And that break just gave life to everything. And we saw on Saturday night when Cheslin Colby made his break up the right wing that it brought South Africa right back into the game. Similarly, in a, similarly with a different kind of kind of move, Henderson surged through the middle. Just Ireland just went after it. Now, James Ryan should have never taken that first ball out. It should have gone wide and it should have scored. But, it was funny but he that made that up for it a couple of phases later. Yeah, and we, I think we, we were both saying it when we were sitting in the press box, but the TV cameras didn't pick that up at all, actually, because... Right oh, it was like four on one. Yeah, out wide, out wide left, but it's, it was almost like classic Ireland and you were kind of wondering, oh my God, because we've, we've highlighted these kind of issues before when... It is so prescribed, but I guess when it works, it's great. But the big question is, 
and we're not going to go into it now against a team like the box that's much harder to do and if there's a four man overlap you've got to take it well if you think about it Joe Schmidt's got a video review today he's got different angles that yeah. the TV had he'll be looking at Would that he share them with because, us I wonder yeah well hopefully <laughs> but you know like the um, yeah they're, they're, they're the opportunities you've got to take against the box or, or the blacks or whoever you go you know, if Ireland look like you know, look like a team who could go deep in this tournament, but every time you step up, step up, and they're not going to step up for three more games. They're, they've got they're playing against tier two opposition in the next three games, but they've got to be clinical in the way they execute those because when they do step up in a couple of weeks, and all this is in preparation for that now, they need to be able to to make that right decision at the right time because if you go one out in that situation, like the All Blacks wouldn't have done that. They didn't give it to the prop; they gave it to Bowden Barrett. He went over. You know, that's that's the difference. So it's um. It's it's going to be like you know it's going to be interesting to watch how Ireland develop from that because while it was good enough to beat Scotland and it was very much deliberately based on beating mm -hmm. Scotland because they knew they could beat beat Scotland up, they need to tweak and they need to evolve and they've got three games now and what about twenty five you know maybe twenty three twenty four training sessions between now and then to get it right. Now they won't have all the bodies in the pitch, which is a bit of a concern, but they look in good nick and they, it's it's. If you remember four years ago, Argentina lost the lost New Zealand in the first game, but then won their three pool games while rotating, and then surged into that quarter final. And that's the, what Joe Schmidt will hope to use the next couple of weeks for. Yeah, because he they've openly admitted now that they've been building specifically towards this game for so long. And I think, well, I don't think anyone is going to get ahead of themselves, us or the players or anyone. Um, oh, we can do it. Like we can, we're, we're all excited about the Springboks. We're just worried about have, having to fill thirty pages for yeah, thirty papers before then. Exactly. But I, I wonder how much now Joe will have one eye on that game, and while he can, okay, he's going to prepare a team week to week without question. He will be in the background to be building to that, won't he? I think that he will have. He will have had Vinnie Hammond and Merv Murphy, his video analysis guys, put together packages on the All Blacks and Springboks, and he's watched every game, every minute of every game they've played, probably about three or four times. times just yeah. even from a kind of a you know a, a good practice point of view, just to kind of pick up bits off them. But he's also watching. He knew that if things went well, he'd be playing against one of them. He knew it was likely. You know, he'll, he'll have done the match. He knew it was going to be South Africa. So I think that you know he has already got all that stuff ready to go. And I'd say, in the background, while they will give due respect to the three opponents to come. He will. He will have. Uh, he'll be working away on that. And I'm no doubt that Razzy Rasmus, Felix Jones, in particular, um, and the backroom team in South Africa are doing the exact same thing. And they'll know every everything there is to know about each other by the time that game rolls around on October 20th. It was an amazing occasion, wasn't it? Um, in Yokohama, on the way to the train station and stuff, you could see the amount of green jerseys even around our hotel. But it was phenomenal. The support was, and you think this is the first game, so like a lot of supporters have to time their run really because it's just so expensive to stay over here for that length of time but it, it was amazing the support there and the feel-good atmosphere that's around this squad now is massive and you could see the players afterwards they, they they were even during the game they were feeding off it it was bucketing down rain in the second half and the fields of Athen Roy was ringing around in Yokohama and Did I think it's been as well yeah well yeah yeah but Molly Malone you, you could I was going to say you could it felt like you were in the sports ground at Toman Park but when Molly Malone came on you could have been in the RDS but it's phenomenal isn't it really and I know the players always speak about it, but to see the effort that people make is is incredible. Yeah, we're lucky I, enough to be here for work. Sure, yeah, and and you know, I think a lot of people would have timed it for these first two games, and then other people will come out for the quarter final. And I know some people have booked through to the final, and possibly based, you know, they might have gone home Very after ambitious. watching the All Blacks game and 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 handed over a few grand to travel operators. So yeah, no, it it it, it was it was brilliant. And you know, I, four years ago was my first World Cup cover, and same as yourself covering it and it just feels like such a different level and the games are you know 
the games are a different level in terms of the speed of play, but also the, the number of fans, the interest we get from the stuff that we're writing, that we're talking about. Um, it's we wouldn't just have had a daily podcast. This absolutely, not for the Pro 14 anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's, no, it's, it is. And the effort people have made, I think a lot of people come up from Australia and New Zealand. Um, and then there's people coming over from home as well. I went to the fan zone on Friday night when you were at the get Tokyo. Uh, Tokyo Stadium for the first game. There was plenty of Irish there. I was chatting to a few of them. Um, it's the trip of a lifetime for a lot of people, and they got their value for money yesterday with a with a really good performance. And I think they'll get those of them who are lucky. I think tickets for Friday for Saturday's game were really hard come by because it is Japan at home. Um, those who were there will get a really interesting experience because I think what I didn't appreciate coming over was that the atmosphere would be so different because there's these lulls when there's nothing mm. happening in the game it's just goes deathly silent and as soon as someone takes a line out or makes a break there's a terrible charge of energy it was probably more so in the New Zealand game because there was a lot of locals cheering on New Zealand whereas there was a lot of box fans who were over the Olay or lay the way through the, through the hacker. It was the actually, locals it, were all on board with the All Blacks. It was the, the noise at the. It was the exact same at the Japan game. There was loads of lulls uh, within it. But my God, when when Japan scored the tries, it was louder than the All Blacks or the the Ireland game. And even though there was less people there, it was just the racket they made. But the All Blacks game was a special occasion as well, wasn't it? Like, it was just an amazing first weekend of of the World Cup. And while th- there might be a little bit of a lull from there. It was just a cracking way to kick it off. We were both there. Um, for the first 20 minutes, you're kind of thinking, like, the box, the, the box are, you know, genuinely could go on and win this. And while they still could, the old classic All Blacks, you know, blinking, you missed them two tries in four minutes. And they were sublime, weren't they? Because Jack Neenarbor, he did such a good job at Munster. And we were seeing sort of similar things. His defence is tough to break down. But I think one of the criticisms of Rassi Rasmus's monster were while they were tough to break down, the attacking edge often wasn't there. And then when plan A wasn't working, they didn't really have a plan B. And for me, that's what I could see in this Springboks team again, whereas the All Blacks, they stayed patient, they soaked up all the pressure and they just picked their moments to strike. Richie Mwanga and Bowden Barrett, you know, they've stuck by this I, I, we, I think we spoke about this last week we both thought Ben Smith would come back into full back with Barrett at 10 but you've got to admire Steve Hansen for, for keeping these two guys in it and watching them live we were very high up very far back the binoculars were definitely needed but it was a real treat to watch those two guys in tandem yeah I mean no matter what time of the day New Zealand and South Africa play I always try and make make a point of, of getting up for it you know it's it's a game that stands alone as a fixture, no matter whether it's a rugby championship or World Cup, it's always worth watching. And it was a kind of depressing a little bit a couple of years ago when South Africa were losing 57-0 and you know, the fixture seemed to be losing its luster. My God, it was back on Saturday night. And, and I was lucky enough to be at that semi-final four years ago when they met um, and the Bucs took that All Blacks team all the way. It was the closest anyone came to, to, to knocking them off their perch. Now, Saturday was a different game. I am. Um, they're both at different stages of development. I think a little bit. The, the, they're both and younger teams with new, newer kind of you know with, with newer players. They've both refreshed since the last World Cup. Different coaching tickets as well, and the amount, the pace and speed with which the box came at it in the first twenty minutes turned out it was unsustainable. But it mm. nearly blew New Zealand away. But they looked up at the scoreboard after Andre Pollard hit the post, and it was three 0 Big and moments. That's less than just what we were talking about there. You get into the twenty-two yeah. against the Springboks, you got to take, or against the All Blacks or the Springboks, you got to take your points. They didn't take them. They gave them. They started to make mistakes because the tiredness crept in, and suddenly the All Blacks pounced. They having, you know, they basically punched themselves out. Rope a dope stuff. The All Blacks, wham bam, two tries, and suddenly the Springboks looked tired. 
they did stay with them in the second half, but really never looked like getting getting that that score. Like there was no real clear cut opportunity that they missed that you'd look at back on and say that was the moment. New Zealand just kept them at arm's length, arm's length nicely, and I think that the feeling amongst them, those two teams, is probably that they they could meet again in the final. Ireland will and, and England and Wales will all have something to say about that. I think. Interesting, Razi Erasmus, although he wasn't biting on the Ireland issue, he did say you that did, he felt... You, you did give it I a good it, go. I gave it a lash. You, um, thought, you, you thought Razi might greet us with open arms, or our his old friends from, from, from back in the day. Um, <laughs> you know, he was all business, but he... he, he uh, one thing he did say was that he thought that when New Zealand come up against Northern Hemisphere opposition, mm. they will ask them different questions, harder questions maybe that they're not used to, to asking. They have struggled in Northern Hemisphere over the last couple of years. Now, no one has the weapons that they have out wide. No one has the searing pace of Bowden Barrett. That double, tan- that double pivot tandem that they have is really, really impressive. But if you take them into a dogfight, if, if, if you, you know, negate their kicking game, Ireland have shown how to do it. Whether you can do it at a World Cup when both teams are at their optimum remains to be seen. So uh, there's, like, there's a bit of room to run. You know, I don't think they're, they're invincible. I think they're definitely gettable, but they're st- they remain the best team in the world right now. Yeah, they'll and they'll just cruise through the rest of that pool. I mean, won't they? Absolutely no issues there. God help Italy and Namibia. Oh God, yeah. Oh my God, poor Conor O'Shea. Even against Namibia yesterday, but we'll have to do. We could do a podcast on on Italy some other day. You've got a run because you were making some mad dash. I don't even know where you're going, but I know you're going to Wales. Going to Georgia. Toyota City Stadium to see Wales play Georgia, hoping to get a bit of Warren Gatland. I mean, it, Wales build up has been fascinating to watch from afar. So. Um, this is the first game since Rob Howley went home. Um, Graham Rountree, the future Munster coach, is in the, the, the Georgia setup, so might, if, if possible, grab a word with him as well. Just to see, you know, try and get it, you know, away, you know, see the World Cup a little bit. Um, I think it'll be a good game. Georgia, I believe, will be really good in 2023. They've had four really good years of under 20s rugby. They're in a tough pool. They might, this one might not go so well, but they've got good young players. They might give uh, Wales a bit of trouble. The, the forecast is terrible. It's going to be absolutely lasting rain. So um, if we get an old shock, it'll be worth the trip. If uh, if it's all a bit dull, it won't. But that's what World Cups are all about. Get, try and get out and see a bit of the, bit of the whole thing. So, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah, just before we go, you've been very harsh in my Japanese since day one since we got here. But I do have a new word. Uh, Saki. Yes. Which, which has caused a bit of controversy <laughs> yeah. since we arrived. <laughs> uh, yeah, we better we better explain that one. Um, so Saki, everyone knows what Saki is back home, which it's very different. It's very yeah yeah well yeah most most people probably will, but it's very different at, at home. Um, but yeah, Saki means alcohol over here. So when you're trying to order um, a drink at the restaurant or whatever, if you're saying Saki, they take that as you're just saying alcohol. So. As I think one of our colleagues was sort of saying, he was shouting Saki Saki at them in an almost Father Ted-like kind of moment. So if anyone is coming over and wanting to order Saki, you've got to actually pick it out in the menu rather than just shouting out. Yeah, we'll have to come up with the real word for, for what we think is Saki for tomorrow's podcast and we'll, we'll as a pointer for those who are over here because I've forgotten it myself. Yeah, that's a good bit of homework. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining me and best of luck in your trip to Toyota City. Cheers, Kate. The Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school.